Obviously. On the prompt. I have a three-year-old daughter. I know all about The Little Mermaid. (laughs) Welcome to The Prompt, a weekly panel discussion on technology and the culture surrounding Apple and related companies. Hello, it is February 19th, 2014. My name is Stephen Hackett. Welcome to the world's greatest podcast. I am joined by the world's greatest Italian podcaster, Mr. Federico Vitici. Hey, Stephen. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm a little under the weather, as you would say, but I'm doing well overall. It's been a nice week. Have you, uh, uh, have you done any uh, students' coffee to kind of push through it? Uh, no, because I, I, was, I, was, I was told that mixing antibiotics with, with the student coffee may not be a good idea. <laughs> Your heart might just stop. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't want to try my hand, you know, too, too heavily. So um, I, I'm just going to take my medication and, and hope that it will be okay in the end. I hope so, because, uh, you know, I, I want to have my voice back. Yeah. No, I get it. Um, so we should address the, the fact that our, our British counterpart part, British counterpart is not here. He's probably, you know, just busy playing games, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, no, he is at um, some sort of award show or something. I don't know. Well, when Mike is in here with us, uh, I always assume that he's either playing games out at some bar in London or at some kind of corporate retreat. <laughs> corporate retreat. That, that's what Mike does, right? Yeah. Now he works for a corporation. Have you ever yeah. been to a corporate retreat? I guess you know. No, I have no idea. I just have this image of corporate retreats. Just basically dudes in expensive suits drinking. Yeah, that's basically what they. Yeah. So that's Mike, I think, right? I think you should have a Mac Stories corporate retreat. Have everyone <laughs> over to Italy. That 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 would be that would be something. Yeah. Expensive. <laughs> I guess we should jump into follow up. And I guess the first follow up item, Federico, is about the Mac Pro. Is it? <laughs> it's, about the, it's about the Mac Pro. Um, and uh, I, I, I'm really hoping this doesn't enter photo storage cloud management <laughs> solution level of feedback. <laughs> but uh, uh, we have a um, really nice piece of follow up uh, from uh, Jeffrey. I don't know Jeffrey's last name. But uh, Jeffrey wrote in talking about the Mac Pro. And, you know, we spoke, or I spoke last week about the, like, the whole, like, first-gen Apple hardware thing. And um, Jeffrey, if that's his real name, brought up a really good, some really good points. Um, and I, I've linked in the show notes to an individual page on the Nantech review of the Mac Pro. Because the the thunderbolt and the the usb3 on the mac pro is set up a little a little weird i'm not going to get really into it you should go read the article but but basically usb3 is not native to the intel chip set they're using so they've kind of added it via pci and that creates some issues and so surely future mac pros will deal with this and kind of you know maybe support USB 3 more in a more native way. But it's important to say that no reviewers have said anything about like about this issue being a problem. It's just an interesting technical limitation of the new Mac pro. So, um, thank you. It's good. It's a good point. Have you bought a Mac pro Federico? Uh, I was considering buying a Mac pro, but then I realized that I don't understand like most of the stuff behind it. Yeah. No, not really, Stephen. I didn't consider no. buying a Mac Pro, and I didn't buy a Mac Pro. 
You should buy a MacBook Air, though. You should. Do uh, that. I should probably start from the keyboard, I guess. And um, you should buy a Mac Pro, you know? Yeah. I- Why don't you buy a Mac Pro? Honestly? Uh, and uh, yeah, why don't you buy a Mac Pro? Why don't then... I buy a Mac Pro? Um, yeah. Well, I have children to feed, and <laughs> that's good. I mean, I've really, uh, our home computer is a Mac Mini, and its main job is running the entertainment center. Uh, in fact, it's not even hooked up to a display. It's just hooked up to the TV directly now. Like, it's not even at a desk anywhere. So, like, we don't really have a home computer anymore. Um, hmm. We have the Mac Mini in the living room, and my wife uses that some, uh, you know, a little bit, but... She uses her iPhone and iPad uh, most of the time during the day, and I have a MacBook Air, and uh, I really don't like like bouncing between two computers. You know, a lot of people have tried that and talked about it, but I use my 13 chair, and so I, I really like if I worked from home and like the prompt and 512 like were my jobs, which they're not, but if they were, like maybe I could see like having at least an iMac at home, like at a desk, having some workspace, but. You know, the reality is just I need a notebook, and so that, that's that's what works for me. But, but, you know, the kids could use the Mac Pro as a toy to, like, to make it roll on the floor. That would be fun. <laughs> like a beach ball? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's probably, that's so probably you, not you, the best you idea. Could have, you could have both the productive aspect and your kids having fun, which you know, sounds like a fair compromise to me. I would have to teach them to eject the external disks before I'm playing Oh, them. yeah, that's, that's definitely a concern. You, you <laughs> don't want your kids causing HFS plus corruption. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that was really the, the big follow-up item. Uh, I want to talk a little, too, about uh, directional. Y'all's new mic and yours. That's where he is. You guys start a new podcast, and all of a sudden, he I, doesn't want to do a show with me anymore. I told you he's playing games. He's catching yeah. up on the, on the Zelda. <laughs> Uh, I'm really enjoying it. Even so. if you don't, if you even if you don't like, you know, playing games a lot, right? Which I don't. Like, just honestly, like I'm not a gamer, but I'm enjoying it. Hmm. So maybe, maybe it's you really, you know, maybe you really care about us. I you do even listen. To, you even listen to our podcast. That's so nice, Ivan. Thank you. You're welcome. I mean, I I really am fascinated. Anytime there's you know there's conversation about, um about nintendo specifically because i mean there's obviously a lot of parallels between nintendo and apple and i'm sure you guys will address that if you haven't already in the later half of the episode but there's obviously a lot of parallels between the companies and i think that's really interesting and i think that they you know nintendo even though i'm not a gamer federico it definitely um it definitely like Nintendo has a cultural place, right? Like, like yeah. I am exactly the right age for Nintendo to have a cultural hold on me, yeah. um, and so it sort of just from that standpoint alone, it's an interesting topic. So, if you haven't listened to Directional, you should go do that after you listen to the prompt. Or daring. thank you, Stephen, for the for yes. the for the great recommendation. It's a great review. I should review it. You should review podcasts I don't know. for a living. I, <laughs> for a living, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's someone on Twitter who does that, but he's a troll. Um, the oh, yeah. I've only reviewed one. I don't review things in the App Store, Federico. I've reviewed a couple things. I'm sure like if you found me in the App Store, there are some old reviews. I've only really reviewed one app recently, um, and it was the 
Volcano app for the Bionic mm. Show. Um, but that's more of a joke for you know Mike and Matt. Not like I don't. Know, I feel like there's a conflict of interest. Like if I go around leaving reviews and then I actually write a review or like deal with it kind of professionally. You know, mm-hmm. is that is that is that crazy to think? No, no, no. I totally see it. You know, I'm actually kind of guilty too uh, of not leaving a review on the app store because I just forget about it. You know, I, I, I just write the reviews for my website and then when it comes to the app store, I just, I just forget about it. Right. And we're going to talk that, more, that, uh, much more about yeah. that very soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the other piece of follow-up, we would like to thank people who bought stickers the other day. But I, I guess I don't know if people know the backstory. I had a bunch of prompt stickers and I was like, I should get rid of these. And so we put them online and they sold out instantaneously. So... So I think we're gonna, gonna see be, people. We're gonna see people driving around in their cars with a, with a prompt sticker. With a prompt sticker, uh, yeah. I, I also fully expect to find them on like the black market, like <laughs> like on, on Craigslist. I almost said eBay, which is like eBay is not the black market at all. But like uh, like on Usenet, maybe somewhere there'll be like a forum post, like "Hey, I got some prompt stickers," you know, like yeah, you should have you should have sold the stickers using Bitcoin. Oh man, I totally blew it. Does Squarespace accept Bitcoin payments? I don't know. Okay, ask them about that. Uh, but I think they're going to be some more soon, so stay tuned. If you didn't get one, I think you'll have an opportunity to buy some again very soon. And with that, Federico, we go to the news. We go to the news and we go to topic zero. Topic right? zero, yeah. Topic zero. So, so we um recording this Wednesday afternoon, and I sat down uh, at home, set my microphone up to record, and I opened... Tweetbot on my Mac, and uh, apparently Facebook had bought WhatsApp in the time it took me to drive home. And so you and I got on the call, and I was like, "Hey, have you seen this?" And you were like freaking out, like, <laughs> "Yeah, it's <laughs> crazy. It's six. It's yeah. sixteen billion dollars. Like Federico, yeah. that that's like the GDP of like a small country. It's mm-hmm. crazy. So what do you think? Give us your gut uh, reaction. Yeah, uh, I like I told you, I totally didn't see this coming um whatsapp it's you know it's huge in europe uh basically all of my friends use it as we discussed uh how many episodes ago was it yeah. um yeah. several it's been a while yeah, yeah. So I, like i told you guys uh a lot of my friends uh, use whatsapp uh, even though it doesn't it doesn't have an ipad app or a uh, you know a desktop client all my all of my friends use it on the iphone and Android phones and, and even on the Windows phones, uh, I guess there's a WhatsApp client, mm-hmm. and yeah. um, uh, uh, and I thought that WhatsApp would would remain, you know, uh, an independent company, especially because last year they they kind of revamped their business model. They 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 launched uh, an annual sus- subscription mm-hmm. for you know whatsapp users and right. and i thought that what you know they were on track to to get one billion users and and i and i was assuming that whatsapp would, would remain you know a big independent player and and i would argue that the reason why whatsapp is so popular is because it's not facebook and 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 i guess that the comparison with instagram is definitely there because uh i i would say that a lot of my friends, they're not so keen on Instagram anymore after, you know, it's been two years, yeah. I guess. I, I rage. 
I rage unjoined Instagram. Now I've since come back, but you know, there is sort of like a visceral dislike yeah. of Facebook, I feel. Yeah, and maybe you would assume that just, you know, just the tech nerds care about this sort of thing, you know, just because Instagram is now Facebook, we don't use Instagram anymore. But but I see this in in, you know, in non-tech nerd people as well. Mm-hmm. And so I I have to wonder if maybe this is a actually a, a great opportunity for companies like uh, WeChat or Lion or other messaging services. I Like I said, right. I, I totally didn't see this coming. Um, huge yeah. surprise for me. I mean, you know, when they started having some income generated, like that's kind of, this is so sad, but like it's kind of weird like in their space to be like charging money. Like, like we use GroupMe extensively. I use it with a lot of different people and it's, they have some in-app purchases for stickers and stuff, but... You know, WhatsApp was in, moving in a direction where, where I thought, hey, you know, maybe these guys can have a sustainable business. But what's really interesting is uh, MG Siegler just tweeted as, as we're recording. Um, he says, unless I'm missing something, it's a bigger deal than anything Google, Apple, or Microsoft have ever done. Wow. Like, yeah. And that, I mean, it's, it's mind boggling. It, it really is mind boggling. Um, so we, I, we I, got, I, go ahead. I'm sorry, and and I think it really speaks to the fact that messaging has become, you know, the maybe the the key piece of the mobile ecosystem today. You know, having a solution to connect people on mobile devices, sixteen billion dollars. I mean, it's a huge number. It's it's yeah. a huge amount of money, and mm-hmm. uh, and now I have to wonder, um, just how Facebook will plan to. No, they will have Facebook Messenger and Facebook Chat on the, yeah. on the Facebook website and apps, and now WhatsApp. So, w- what's gonna happen? Yeah, I, I I don't know. It's 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 wild, and that was actually one of my immediate questions. Was you know I I have, I have a Facebook account. I'm not really active, and I actually don't keep the Facebook app on my phone, but I do keep Messenger because there's some people that that's how they you know cousins and like random people get in touch with me. And so it's definitely interesting because Messenger seems like a pretty successful product. I mean, they spun it out into its own app. It's actually a really good iOS app. Um, so I just don't know. I don't, I mean, I think there's a lot, obviously a lot of factors at play at something like this. And I'm very curious right now, Facebook says, I think they're going to basically leave it alone, um, which they've done with Instagram. You know, Instagram is still well, best we can tell. Yeah, mostly. Best we can tell from the outside, still mostly independent. Um, you know, so I don't know. It, it's 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 mind-boggling. That's like the word I keep coming back to. Like it's so much money. Yeah, uh, it's really it's really hard to believe. I guess what I, what I want to discuss with you is uh, whether WhatsApp took off because it was a Facebook alternative or because it actually was a good app. And, and I think that there is uh, some kind of middle ground here in that I believe that WhatsApp took off because it wasn't Facebook and it allowed people to communicate for free or at least for a very cheap price on any platform. Yeah. And I also think that people used it because it, it was not Facebook and there was no assumption that what you shared on WhatsApp would end up somehow on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Now, I also think that the WhatsApp application had some really nice touches in, for instance, how it, it lets you create group messages with, uh, you know, a pool of people and 
you know, it, 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 there was a feature to customize the background. There was not the kind of customization that you may find in apps like Klein, where you have a lot of stickers and mini games inside the app. There was not to 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 that extent. Uh, I, I guess that it's uh, what's up to coffee. What's up to cough because of a combination of aspects? You know, it was not Facebook. It was a decent client. It was free or maybe, you know, just like a dollar on the App Store. And it was everywhere. And now it's owned by Facebook, which won't change the fact that it's everywhere. In fact, it, it, from this point of view, it will get better because Facebook has the resources to make a better app for any platform. But will people start to, you know, kind of stop using WhatsApp because it's owned by Facebook? That's the big question, I think. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Um, Matt Panzerino just posted a couple of world maps and it's uh, usage of um, chat messaging services. And especially in Europe, uh, WhatsApp is in some cases sizably bigger than anything else, including Facebook Messenger. Um, and, uh, so it's really, it's, it's, you know, clearly they, they were, they were losing, I mean, look at Italy, it's 32 to 81% for WhatsApp. So clearly they knew they were behind. And so, uh, you know, I think, I think they just, they said, Hey, you know, we can come up with the money. We can buy these guys. We can take them and we can bring them into the fold. And, um, it's wild. Hmm. So Facebook on a on a on a buying spree. They they basically are they basically acquire everything they they want. They just don't care. You know, they just go out and buy it. They're uh, they're kind of like Mike in that regard. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, Mike that's, book. That's a, that's Fa- face cool. Mike. Mike book. What's what's better? Mike book. I, I like know. it. Yeah. Um. Uh, also, quickly want to touch on Kickstarter. So over the weekend. Uh, Kickstarter announced that they uh, had some security issues. Basically, hmm. uh, personal data was taken. Um, according to their blog post, they were uh, notified by law enforcement that there were some issues, which I find interesting. Uh, I t- I've talked to some people uh, since then, and apparently that's more common than I initially thought. Um, but they say that they're you know, they fixed it. Um, they have prompted password resets, encrypted passwords, email addresses, mailing addresses, and phone numbers were taken, which is kind of uncool because I have a Kickstarter account and now someone has all that stuff about me. Um, so I don't know, like it, us, yeah, I mean, it stinks for Kickstarter, right? And they seem to be, uh, as forward and as open about it as, as they can be. But like, do you think that somebody like Kickstarter, or even somebody smaller, like if they have a security issue, do you think they can survive that? I mean, uh, or, or do you feel, I kind of almost feel, Federico, like any service I use, like GroupMe or, you know, Instapaper, or like any, like, you know, Evernote had an issue, like any online service I use, I kind of like have this feeling of dread of like, it's inevitable that my stuff gets stolen. Is that... Hmm. Is that, am I alone in that? No, 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 I, I have the same concern, you know, especially when, when it's a, no, it's not a, a huge service with a lot of engineers and security people. I always fear that eventually it's going to get hacked by, by someone. And I, I'm, I guess there's a silver lining in this because Kickstarter didn't 
didn't you know they didn't the hackers didn't get access to credit card information with which would have been you know terrible especially i remember when it happened to to the sony playstation network to two years ago mm-hmm. uh credit card information was stolen and that was really bad and um i i guess it's it's always bad it's worse when when they get credit card information i changed my kickstarter password and and i also changed my email in the process mm-hmm. um i think they will survive because the service is strong and and the idea of kickstarter is really strong in 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 you know the modern web and and you know people just expect to to be able to to crowdfund projects today right and um uh, I would I would like to see Kickstarter maybe ramping up their security team or something like like that. I don't know. I just I I just like Kickstarter a lot, and I, and I hope that this won't be a problem going forward. In fact, I think that I should I should really contribute to more projects on Kickstarter because one of my problems with Kickstarter is that I always forget. To, to give my funds to, yeah. to, to, to stuff that I like. <laughs> like I just I say, oh, cool, that. This, yeah. <laughs> yeah. oh, cool, there's a new Kickstarter. And then I say, okay, I, I'll contribute, you know, maybe in a few days. And then I always forget. Forget. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I've used it several times and I will continue to do so. You know, I reset my password and, um, you know, it's like the Evernote thing. Like I continue to use Evernote afterwards, you know. Um, yeah. But I, just, I can't, I hate the feeling you know, that sort of stuff's inevitable and there's, but I kind of don't know a way of, around it. Right. Like I was thinking, I was like, you know, like Gmail, iCloud, like these, you know, these big services, like you don't see these issues, but it's because they're big that they don't, you know, yes, they might be bigger targets, but they have substantially more, you know, exponentially more resources to put into things like security and protection of user data. Um, so yeah, it was just it was you know it came out I think it was Sunday. Um, they've updated their blog post, which is in the show notes, uh, with some frequently asked questions that I hadn't seen till just now. Um, you know they seem to be doing trying to do the right thing, and you know I'll give them credit for that. But I, I would I, I hope that it does not come back up. Yeah, Federico, Stephen, I was about to say Michael, and then I I remembered. I'm You're not, not Michael. I don't think so. That's my middle name. Maybe, maybe you are. Oh, really, Stephen Michael? Stephen Michael. I didn't know. I'm not named after Mike. But Stephen Mike would have <laughs> been much better. But Stephen Mike with a Y. <laughs> <laughs> what you know is completely fabricated. The Y. He just mm-hmm. stuck it in there because he liked it. Seriously? Yeah. Because he's, he's Michael. He's Michael. You should. You should change his name legally. You know, to, to, to Mike. Mike with a with a Y. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, um, I would love to tell you about our friends Squarespace. Please go ahead. This episode, like many many episodes of the Prompt, is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it easy to create your own website. For a free trial and ten percent off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TallyHo two. Squarespace is constantly updating their platform with new features, new designs, and more better support. They have beautiful templates for you to start with and tons of style options for you to adjust so you can really create your own space online. 
Everything is drag and drop, so it's easy to add content from your desktop or even rearrange elements of content within a page. It's all right in the browser. Squarespace also makes sure that your site automatically looks great on any device because every Squarespace website has a unique mobile design. You can easily connect Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Instagram, Google+, many, many more web and social services. Squarespace also has their own e-commerce platform. It's what we used the other night to sell prompt stickers. So if you want to set up a shop and sell things, you can do it in just a few minutes. It's incredibly easy to use, but if you do need some help, over 70 Squarespace employees are on the customer care team, which is based in New York City. They're available for live chat during the week and have super fast email support throughout the day and night. Now, Squarespace fanatics, now is the time you can apply to become a part of the Squarespace team. The company is looking to hire 30 engineers and designers by March 15th, just a little under a month away. This means they're inviting potential candidates like you, like you, Federico, and their spouses to be New Yorkers for the weekend, completely on Squarespace. Want to hang out with little Ryan and gaze upon his long, luxurious locks in real life? Then check out beapartofit.squarespace.com to learn more. As I said earlier, you can try Squarespace for free. There's no credit card required. But if you do decide to purchase, it starts at just $8 a month and includes a domain name if you sign up for a whole year. Make sure to get 10% off and support the show by using the offer code TALLYHO2. T-A-L-L-Y-H-O-2. So thank you to Squarespace for supporting 5x5 and the prompt. Can you can you imagine signing a check for sixteen billion dollars? It's still in your brain, isn't it? I can't. <laughs> yeah, I can't I stop just, thinking about it. It's it's. I don't know. I will. I will probably. I, I don't know. It's just too much money, <laughs> and uh, I I just cannot comprehend. So do you how, do you use WhatsApp now? I know we use GroupMe, but do you use WhatsApp with other people? Yeah. Will you continue to use it? As long as my friends are on it, I will. Yeah. And it's the only reason why I installed WhatsApp in the first place, because my friends were using it. It's just, you got to follow the people. And by people, I mean your friends. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I won't be on WhatsApp just you know, to make a statement, or I won't leave WhatsApp just to make a statement. Uh, in these cases, I, I guess you just got to see and wait what you know, the, the normal people do. because. We we te- we always assume that you know maybe the the nerds and geeks change the world because they make software and because they make products, but but in the end, it's the normal people that decide. Man, that's that's really well said. So we today are starting a what is going to be at least a two part series on the App Store, and uh, you know we have uh, Federico, Mike, and I. We have a Google document with show topic ideas for things that we want to cover. And this has been there since, uh, since day one. And we figured, hey, you know, it's episode 36. Mike is dead. We should, we should start. As we're, gonna, we're kind of breaking this up. Um, there's a lot to talk about the App Store. And today we're going to talk about problems that the App Store presents to end users. Um, so not developer stuff. We're going to get there. But kind of talking about, um, you know, people who are just using the App Store as just regular people, kind of issues they might face with it. 
And um, the the first one, uh, I think, is really, um, really timely. And so the first poem we see are kind of uh, kind of junk apps. And so, you know, we talked about Flappy Bird. Mm-hmm. Was it two weeks ago? Last week? Last week? You know, I cannot remember. I don't have no it, idea. Yeah. The, the the entire Flappy Bird saga feels like ages ago. <laughs> well, it was before WhatsApp was acquired. So, you know. Okay. Different, different era of, of human history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, you know, I put these notes together over the weekend and... I was like, look, there's a billion Flappy Bird knockoffs in the App Store. Uh, for a while, after Flappy Bird, after the developer pulled it from the App Store, like the top, I don't know, like there were several in like the top 10 and top 20 that were basically mm-hmm. clones. And like, I don't know how there people is a, crank there them is out. There's a so Miley fast. Cyrus flying game. You know, just, it, just to put some context to what you're saying, there is a game with Miley Cyrus sticking her tongue out of her mouth flying on the screen that's something i never want to see <laughs> no i will send you a link and you will see it no <laughs> whatever like you send I... me next and shout i'm not opening <laughs> um, and you know so there's there's that issue and you, you see it all the time you see apps that um you know uh poach on someone else's name you see them uh you see apps that will rip off uh, the UI or feature that is from a prominent app. And there's, of course, a lot that goes into it. And we're not really, I mean, Federico, are you a lawyer? Um, I, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't, I'm not, I don't think I am either. And so we're not super prepared to talk about the copyright trademark, the abysmal mess that is, you know, software law, at least in the United States, but it just seems scammy. I think when you look at the app store and you see a Miley Cyrus, Flappy Bird, Tongue Game, like, no one, no one wants that. And while Apple has, uh, uh, as of two days ago, they actually are reje- starting to reject um, Flappy Bird clones, and it's based on the name, right? Um, yeah, apps that contain false, fraudulent, or misleading representations will be rejected. Uh, this is a new rule in the App Store Review Guidelines. We found that your app and or its metadata contains content that could be misleading to users, which is not in compliance with the App Store Review Guidelines. We found your app name attempts to leverage a popular app. Um, and so obviously this is in, you know, it's got to be in direct reply to the Flappy Saga. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if there's broader implications here. And I hope there are. You know, I, I would love to see Apple police the App Store better than they do to keep what's so ob- I mean obvious scammy tactics to keep them at bay and I, I think as a user as someone who you know I feel like I, I don't do this maybe you you know maybe you do because of your coverage but like I never like I can't tell you the last time I looked at a top 10 list in the app store like I just don't do it because I want to avoid all that garbage and I think Apple could do a better job at at that sort of thing yeah there are there are several issues here, so let, let let's just you know go one by one. The the Flappy Bird, you know the the fact that Apple is pulling Flappy Bird styled apps, and um, it, it's really strange because you know the Flappy Bird guy he just doesn't care at all. It's not like he filed a trademark or something. He, he even pulled his game from the app store. 
So it definitely is strange that Apple is, you know, doing this kind of police work for rejecting flappy apps. And I, and, I, <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I tend to believe that it's going to be, at least for now, an isolated experiment by Apple. And by experiment, I mean that maybe they are considering better policies for the App Store because it's, re- it's seriously full of clones and, and rip-offs. And, and there was a link a couple of weeks ago about, uh, about the tactics used by a guy to basically spam the App Store with the same app repackaged over and over and mm. sold at a price and um and, and that was just one guy uh every day when i when i browse the app store to look for new apps i see all kinds of copies and clones and ripoffs and maybe even apps that that they just copy the name or the icon but actually don't do anything beside that so i i want to believe as a as a you know, as a writer and as a user that maybe Apple is considering, you know, adding some new guidelines for developers. And I also believe that the the second problem is that maybe you and I, Stephen, we, maybe we care about this sort of issue more. Like maybe, maybe people like my parents or my friends, they, they just don't care about the elegance of the App Store. Hmm. Maybe they are just fine. If they see a, a game like the one that I sent you, the Flying Cyrus, maybe they, they, they don't say, oh, God, look at how messy the App Store has become. They, they will just, you know, laugh about it. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe people like you and I, we tend to be a little more sensitive about, you know, the sort of elegance of lack of clones, lack of copies, but... In the real world, you cannot prevent that. Maybe right. It's what definitely do, what do you, what do definitely you think? hard. Yeah, it's definitely hard. And you know, Apple, you know, we we are, we obviously as end users and as like end power users uh, have a really different view of the App Store than like the App Store review team. And so we might see something that is a clone or a ripoff or a repackage and might notice it faster than the review team does because they look at every single app. And, you know, we're looking at a very small percentage. I mean, how, I don't even know how many apps are in the app store anymore. Like 16 like million, a, maybe. No, I guess it's over a million. <laughs> it's Yeah, it's, it's over a million for sure. But I also um, think that, I'm sorry if I'm cutting you, it's that, it's that the, the, the review process is automated these days. I guess it's not that they look individually like there is a person looking at one it, app at yeah. a time. I mean, I know parts of it are automated, but uh, yeah, maybe humans are still it, involved at some point, right? Yeah, in so, uh, at some point, especially for you know, maybe if you if you work with Apple be, before submitting an app, like if you are Facebook or Evernote, that kind right. of that kind of process, and maybe if they notice that there's a nice new app coming out because you submitted it, they get in touch with you. Right, uh, but I I don't think that that in the case of you know the guy sending ten copies of the same app, uh, the problem is that I don't think that there is an Apple guy looking at hmm. those apps. Okay. I okay. I don't know. It's maybe I could, I could be wrong, but yeah, I I, I don't yeah. know. I mean, you would know better than than I honestly. Um, and I really feel like where this is a problem, and I think maybe one area that maybe we're more sensitive than the general public is the Mac App Store, like. 
you look at the Mac App Store and there's like there's like three categories of apps. Like there's um, the Apple apps, which dominate the charts. Things like uh, mm-hmm. Mountain Lion and Mavericks and iWork and iPhoto, you know, I, the iLife apps like Aperture, Final Cut, uh, Logic. And FaceTime. And Face, yeah. Still an app. Yeah, I don't know why that's still there. Um, it's been built in. That was 10 for, forever now. I guess it's a, it's a, it's an old like um, like Apple has, has to do it because of a, like like a law or something. Uh, I would yeah, send you a link. Yeah. Um, so that's still there. Um, so like you have Apple apps and they dominate, right? Like I, I would imagine if you got a pie chart of the companies that make money in the Mac App Store, Apple is doing really well. Then you've got I think a very slim layer of guys like the Omni Group. Pixelmator, um, real you know the real Mac guys that are building quality Mac software and that are in the App Store, um, but I think that number is dwindling. Right, we've seen a lot of stories over the last year of you know the Omni Group is pulling out of the the App Store to a degree. They still have apps there, but you can buy them on their the website. You know, Pixelmator I think went in all App Store, um, but even there, like these guys are all really beholden to Apple's strict sandboxing rules on OS 10. You know, it's what uh, Smile Software um, and, you know, guys who like build utility apps for OS 10 where they run into issues because that stuff has to exist outside of what Apple allows via sandboxing. And so, so you've got that. And then I think you have what is the, the vast number of titles in the app in the Mac App Store which is junk I don't ever want to install. Like, just things in the App Store that are just junk. And it I think it hurts Apple's image. I think that the Mac App Store is probably where Apple takes a pretty big PR hit these days, at least from it, its users and power users, that it's just not very good, you know? Yeah. You know, it's just basically full of Apple apps and games and those kind of like RAM monitoring utilities that they yeah. basically promise you to to make your computer faster, and and people tend to believe that, and and I and I always see those kinds of apps in in the App Store's charts, and then maybe there is some of these apps that is actually decent or even good. I would I would maybe imagine. I, I just tend to believe that mostly it's junk. Yeah, and I I don't know. The the number one paid Mac app store app is Disk Doctor, which uh, is like frees up frees up disk space, which is like a real thing. But like, you could totally do it on your own. And then past that, it's a lot of Apple apps, and then uh, some like random note taking app. Like it's nothing in here is like day one is number ten. Like. And airmail is number four, but the the rest of it is Apple stuff and like crazy stuff I've never heard of. Yeah, so what what really frustrates me about the Mac App Store is that they do not seem to to care about the experience of gamers, because uh, I usually go to the Mac App Store to to see if you know there's a new big game for OS ten. Like a few a few days ago I wanted to check to check out the the limbo game for the Mac. And what really annoys me is that you cannot see hardware requirements 
as a as a as a section on the on the Mac App Store's page for that game. So you you have to learn on your own whether a game is going to run fine on your Mac or not. And and it, and it seems to me that Apple should be should be adding support for requirements on iTunes Connect for developers to to put on the Mac App Store so that you you won't you won't have to go out on your own on a on a on a game developer's website to see whether a game will will run on your Mac or not. Yeah. And and I speak from experience because when I bought it was a GTA San Andreas for the Mac or Vice City, I cannot remember, but it was a GTA game. When I when I bought it I was all excited to to check it out on my MacBook Air, and it ran seriously bad. <laughs> it, it was slow, and, and the frame rate was dropping, and and the textures were were, were bad. So I, I think that Apple should, especially when it comes to games, which are huge on the App Store, right? They they should maybe care a little more. But then again, does Apple even have to care about this kind of stuff? Does it sell more hardware? Do uh, they need to care? Yeah. Do they need I, to care? Seriously, I, I don't. I don't think so. I don't think they have to. Um, and I think there's a lot of evidence to support that they don't, especially the Mac App Store. I mean, you're totally right. Like the iOS App Store has had hardware requirements for for a long time, if not forever. And it, it could be as simple in the Mac App Store as that the the Mac App Store app knows what computer you have and just tells you like you can run this yes or no. Like yeah. Yeah, but I that's a little more complicated than that because and they've got engineers. App, they can they can figure it out. Yeah, sure, <laughs> I agree. I know. But I'm just saying. I'm just saying that an iOS app is is compiled against an S, an SDK. So iTunes Connect knows because it's been you know wired to to know that when you when you build a game, you just don't build it against I don't know the the Mavericks SDK. You may be using an engine like I don't know Unity. Or, or something else. So it's it's a little more complicated, but but like you said, absolutely, Apple has the engineers to do that. It's yeah. it, it would be more complex, but it's not impossible. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it goes hand in hand with kind of what we list as the next problem of discoverability. Um, you know, not only is like the top ten list like it's useful, but it's also kind of useless. Um, like search is miserable. Um, you know, Federica, the way I use the App Store is um, either I know an app has come out and I search for it by name, or I get to it from an article or a tweet. Um, I'm not, I very rarely like search the App Store for a keyword that think that I think is going to give me what I want. Uh, but I know that I'm in the minority there. A lot of people, okay, I need a note-taking app, and I just go search the App Store for note-taking, and God knows what you're going to get back. Um, I think it's it's a real problem. I I really hate when when a new when a new app comes out and you go look for its name and you do not find it because the App Store search needs like a couple of hours to catch yeah. up. Well, you know, <laughs> web objects is hard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that for me, especially on the iPhone, uh, search is really bad. And by bad, I mean that it used to be. It used to be okay on when was it iOS four, iOS five? Well, yeah, it was iOS five because in iOS six they changed 
the app source search on the iPhone to the care uh, to the to the what's the name cards layout mm-hmm. and you see instead of a vertical list of results you see one result at a time with the app name icon and and the big screenshot which was supposedly the result of the acquisition of chomp you know the the search engine yeah. for the app store but it basically that's all that it was it, I, I do not see meaningful improvements in app store search and um so aside from the fact that when you look for an app, you do not find it because it's a new app, even for existing apps, if, if you look for something like, like a generic term like Twitter, you would expect something like Twitterific and Tweetbot to be somewhere along right. the top, but they're not. And, uh, and that there is a problem of developers basically invisibly spamming the app store with search keywords. Mm-hmm. Which is which is uh, which is uh, basically an SEO practice <laughs> yeah. of a decade ago, and now developers <laughs> are using it on the app. Yeah, it's so. come back. It's back in fashion. Um, you know, they no, call it, it they call it ASO App Store optimization. Yeah, that's seriously uh, a term. Yeah, it's sadness. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk and about like sh- you know curated lists in the App Store. And Apple does a little bit of this. Um, they've got, you know, their uh, featured app of the week and they have, you know, editorial picks and that sort of stuff. But really, there's still, there's not a mechanism in the app store to really do this. And, um, you know, it's kind of why, like, we started the suite setup, like, to be like, hey, I need an app that does this. What's the best app I should buy? Um, and it, I don't know how Apple could do it, but Apple should be the ones to have something like that. You know, to have a section of just journaling mm-hmm. apps, and you know, these are the journaling apps, and you can rate them by price, or you, know, you can r- sort them by price or by rating or whatever. But you have to. It, there's so much responsibility put on the user to sort through it. And like I get it; it's a hard problem. You have a million apps to sort through. Like I don't envy that problem, but I think there are ways that Apple things Apple could put in place to make it easier. And like, while I'm not complaining because we have the suite setup and it's, you know, a great site and like it's, we're successful at it and you're successful at what you do, you know, reviewing apps and telling people about apps. Uh, there should be something in the store because the majority of people have never heard of the suite setup, have never heard of Mac stories, will never listen to our voices on a podcast. And if their only interaction with apps is the iOS or Mac app store, it's overwhelming. You know, I have a lot of ideas, so I'll be throwing a lot of ideas at you in just a short amount of time. Can <laughs> I do that? Yes. Okay, so first up, Apple is doing a, a decent job with the, as you said, with the curated sections that they update on a regular basis. And uh, the problem is that those sections they are not consistently organized on the App Store. Like you can find a section on on the front page, but you cannot find it on a category page. And sometimes they change things, so they should build for consistency. Second, those sections, they should be available in search. If I search for, I don't know, a section that Apple made, maybe apps for writers. Mm -hmm. If I search for writing on the App Store, I should be able to find a result as you know, I should be able to find that section made by Apple in the results. 
because it doesn't make any sense that you have to go out and find those sections because people won't do that. And, and for generic terms like writing or work apps, whatever that means, or travel apps, they should be available in search because people like to search on the App Store. I, I yeah. know this for a fact. I also believe that Apple should be asking themselves whether they want to treat apps as uh, simple utilities or maybe something, uh, maybe more as media. And by media, I mean more something more like um, movies and, and music. For movies, for instance, they have uh, third-party ratings on, I- on the iTunes store. So maybe there, there could be the potential for third-party recommendation and ratings directly into the you know directly directly into the an, a product page and um uh, there was a an article uh, i think last year a couple of years ago mm-hmm. uh about the app store you know re- building some kind of a michelin guide you know the michelin guide uh, no. It's basically it's basically a restaurant and hotel recommendation guide, like an actual okay. book that's okay. really popular in Europe. Okay, and and it, and it basically pulls all recommendations by several people into a single guide, and and, and there's potential, I believe, for uh, I wouldn't say my site or your site, but definitely having others' opinions directly into the app store, and um, I also think that the front page. It should not. It should not be updated just on Thursdays. Why does the front page of the App Store need to have a weekly refresh? It should be refreshed on a daily basis. Yeah, and, uh, totally agree. And 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 I also believe that Apple should be moving away from the top charts as a single mechanism to find apps, and or at least to showcase apps that are popular. Because uh, as we as we've seen, developers are finding ways to trick the app store and to you know f- climb their way to the top charts and 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 the top chart is it, it, there is merit to the top chart in that it's really simple you go through the top chart and you see what apps are popular but why is it simple because it's a simple vertical layout and people like to easily scan a lot of results so there should be a way to find apps that are popular and there are popular f- and, and useful for you without the consequences of developers using the system and gaming the system to, you know, to put apps that are not worth of your attention in the top charts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's the thing that really kills me, like, especially the weekly update thing. Like, I, I get that that is rooted in the fact that, like, the iTunes music and movie store and stuff, that's updated usually once a week because you have, you know, new release Tuesday, like, mm-hmm. but the app, new apps coming on the app store, literally 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, I, I don't, unless there's like one guy who does like the iTunes store on Tuesday and then like, I don't know, sleeps on Wednesday that updates the app <laughs> store on Thursday. Like short of that being the case, which could be, I, I, I don't I, get you know it. What, what re- what's really sad is that actually when they do update, the front page, they usually pick nice apps. Like they yeah, pick they, do a, they do a good job. Yeah, they do a good job, but it's why just once a week? And, 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 and I mean, it's Apple. They have money. They could probably buy like 
10 WhatsAppsis or whatever. <laughs> they, have a, they have a lot of resources. And I believe yeah. they could find, uh, you know, more guys to manage the apps or maybe. Yeah, they could find somebody. It doesn't seem like, a, like an, an, an ideology problem. It just seems like a resource problem for Apple to do more of this. I'm thinking about something like Beats Music. Maybe you, you may not like Beats Music, I don't know. But you have to admit that the fact that they, there are, there's an editorial team constantly curating music and, and playlists and, and, you know, there's maybe the Grammys, they make playlists for the Grammys. You know, just mm-hmm. the kind of being on top of what, what's going on. Yeah. But we're going to come back to this in just a second. First, I'd like to tell you about our friends at Smile. Oh, I love Smile. I do too. If you need anything, if you need to do anything with PDFs, you need PDF Pen from Smile Software. You can add a signature, make changes to text and images, correct a typo, fill out forms. It's only the beginning. You got a scan document. PDF Pen includes OCR, so you can convert that scan into text that can be searched, copied, and corrected. Need to remove sensitive information such as tax ID numbers from your PDF before sharing it? PDF Pen can perform a redaction, removing the stuff you want to keep private. PDF Pen 6 is out now, and the new features make it more powerful and easier to use than ever. The interface and tools have been updated and improved, and now you can export your PDFs right to Microsoft Word format for sharing or editing. Smile also has something new, PDF Pen Scan Plus. Now you have the power of your office right in your pocket. You can scan contracts, invoices, or receipts as PDFs with your iPhone or iPad. You can use OCR to make the scanned image into editable text. Check out PDF Pen Scan Plus on the App Store. It's just $4.99. And if you go to smilesoftware.com slash 5x5, you can watch a beautiful video by David Sparks all about PDF Pen Scan Plus. Get PDF Pen for $60 in the Mac App Store or directly from Smile. Or buy PDF Pen Pro for $100 and you'll get advanced features like form creation and document permission settings. Find out more at smilesoftware.com slash 5x5. It's got a video, Max Sparky. How could you not oh. want to watch that? It's, David always makes great videos. And I, and I kind of wish I will grow up to have David, David's voice. It's just <laughs> The accent might be tricky. <laughs> yeah, that may be a problem. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, he and I had an ice cream date once at Macworld. It was, it was nice. Did he, had ice, did he had pers- ice cream together. Did he persuade you with his voice? He did. Uh, mm. Yeah. Check it out. The, you know, we talked about search a little bit, oh, a lot. I talked about some some problems, but I think there's some visual problems in the App Store as well that um, kind of hinder the experience for the user. You know, we've talked about how the card layout is just miserable on the iPhone, and I could not agree more. I, I do not understand why they've done that. Um, but I think there's something, too, that developers are doing that isn't awesome either. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's this trend of text on screenshots, which is, it can be nice because it's another way to tell or show off part of the app, but 
in doing so, you're not only making the images smaller, you're seeing less of the UI, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. It makes the screenshots all kind of blur together in search. Yeah, It's not, I don't know. What, what do you feel about that? Yeah, I agree, because basically, you know, the, the, the size of the, of the screenshot, especially on the iPhone, is limited. Right? You cannot have a, a huge screenshot, so every pixel counts. And instead, we're seeing developers, basically, everybody's using the same layout. There's, a, there's an iPhone frame, there's a tiny screenshot, and there's a, there's a bit of text at the top or the bottom. And it's really hard to, you know, to, to see the interface of an app that you're looking at in, in the search results. And, uh, and, and I wish there was a better way for developers to, 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 to showcase this. But maybe the problem is that they were forced to, to resort to this sort of tactic because of the cards layout. Because by putting so much focus on the first screenshot, you have forced developers to, to come up with ways. And, and we know the developers always find a way. And in this case, it was text label, iPhone frame, smaller screenshot. Yeah. Which may be better from a, an explanation perspective because you get to use both text and a, a smaller screenshot. But from a, you know, from a, uh, from a customer perspective, I, I think that the larger screenshots are better. And instead, everything looks mostly the same, which is made even worse by iOS 7 because a lot of apps look similar now. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I may be wrong, but I think that even Apple is used this kind of text labels on, on screenshots at some point. And I'm trying to find which app or if I'm wrong. But but I'm not wrong, because if you look at the Apple Store for iPad app, you see that Apple is using an iPad frame with a screenshot inside and with a text label at the top. Jeez. Yeah. And, like, I, I mean, I get it. What I don't understand is the iPhone frame. Like, I'm on my iPhone. I'm searching mm-hmm. for an iPhone app. I know what the device looks like. Not surprising. You know, like, I don't... <laughs> I mean, I get it, right? Like, I mean, I help solve visual problems at work all day, like, and this is a very common thing, but I just don't, I just don't know if it's the right solution. Um, You know, you look at, actually, I looked at the top 10 uh, when you were speaking, and um, the top paid app right now is the game Threes, which is, if you download it, you will lose your job because it's addicting. Mm-hmm. Um, and their screenshots are, or their, you know, review pictures are just screenshots of the app and no Chrome, you know, no iPhone Chrome, no, no, nothing, just the app itself. Nice. Um, and I think that's the way to go. Um, but it's definitely a trend that I don't know. I'm not, I'm not in love with it. You know, I, may, I think maybe it's already going away a little bit, but you know, I've got to get down to the seventh, uh, which is sleep clock alarm, sleep cycle alarm clock. It's a dollar. And it's the first one uh, on the top 10 list currently that does this. And their third photo over is uh, a picture of an iPhone in a bed. <laughs> like, really? Like, I mean, I guess I get it, but like, I don't yeah. need to see that. Like, I don't know. Um, and I think hand in hand with that is uh, the use of video. And like, I don't really remember what went down with Clumsy Ninja. Can you, can you remind me? 
basically Clumsy Ninja was the first App Store app, a game, but app as a generic term, to get a video trailer on the App Store. And, 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 I, and I guess that it was a, some kind of special deal with Apple because the year before, Apple actually featured Clumsy Ninja on stage for the iPhone 5 keynote, I'm going to say. I could be wrong. But anyway, I guess that Clumsy Ninja, the, the game was basically delayed a lot of times. And eventually, when it came out, maybe Apple was so happy that they wanted to give it a trailer. And, uh, and I know that this was a, a one-off experiment. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I don't think that there's going to be more of this anytime soon. But, but, but you know, it would be great. And, uh, and, and, I, and I understand that for developers to put together a video, it would be another cost, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you, you know, videos are not screenshots. There's, <laughs> yeah. music, to, there's music to consider and yeah. animations. You got to have a lonely sandwich in there. Yeah, or, or, or maybe if you, just want to, if you just want to show the app, Right? Maybe you don't want to, to have a, a video with a, I don't know, if, maybe a mini story or that kind of stuff. If you just want to see, to, to, to show the app in motion, how are you going to record the video? Are you <laughs> going to use uh, AirPlay, which, by the way, is not an official implementation of the Mac if you use something like uh, reflect, uh, Reflection or Air Server? So there's yeah. not even an official way to record videos unless you use the simulator, which is not great. Yeah. So maybe videos will never happen. And, and part of it too on, on Apple's side is it's a lot more expensive for them to serve videos yep. for a million apps than just still shots. Um, I think it's helpful. I think especially for things like games, it's it can be really, uh, really engaging. But I agree with you. I think the technical hurdles are just too much right now. Um, Even if they just allow developers to to maybe to release whatever they want on YouTube and then just to put a link yeah. that is actually tappable on the App Store. Because if you, if you don't use a Mac, right, if you only use the App Store on iOS, and if a developer puts a link to a video on YouTube or Vimeo in the App Store des- description field, you cannot select text on right. iOS. So do we really assume that people so interested in an app they go to the mac and especially on the itunes preview on the web not even on on the itunes app they go to the web they select text and they go to youtube or email who's gonna do that so what's the expectation of people (laughs) of people if 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 not even you steven if not even you do that sort of thing to watch a, a promo video who's going to watch it on the millions of users on the app store yeah. Unless Apple does it better, which I'm not. So hopefully. <laughs> not convin- yeah, not convinced of. Yeah. Um, kind of the, the last thing on our list today is uh, a lack of trials. That if you download a paid app and you don't like it, like, hey, there's no way to test to see if you're going to like it. So you got to buy it. You got to gamble with your $3. Um, and some, you know, we've talked a lot about. Um, freemium and premium apps. And that's one way to get around it to a degree. 
But I mean, do you do you think trials? Do you think even in light of that, you think trials would be helpful? Hmm. That's a that's a nice question. Uh, yes, but there will be problems, and by that I mean not not just a technical aspect, like how are you going to implement trials. Let's talk from a from a user perspective. Um, what if you just need an app to perform a one-time operation and you download the trial, you use the app for that, you, del- you delete the app from your phone and the developer never gets the money. Whereas right now, in, even if you just need an app for one time, maybe to, I don't know, maybe to, to annotate a photo and to send it to your grandmother, right? You just need that the app so so much. You buy the app; it's ninety nine cents, but you give the, the developer your money. Whereas with with trials, how would that be happening? So there's a problem. I think there, there is a there is of course a, a benefit, right? That you that you get to try apps before you buy them. So maybe you buy more apps because you're more convinced that because you know that an app is going to work for you. But on the flip side, what if you just, you know, abuse trials in that you only go on with trials and when a trial when a trial expires, you get another trial and you just keep using apps and you never pay. Yeah, and, you, and you history shows that, that like, people will do that like yeah there's a reason that like mac and like pc shareware is not really a thing anymore um it's i'm on the same i'm on the same boat as you on this it's like on paper it's a good idea but i think once you dig into it i think it's probably unless some of these issues could be really addressed i don't think it's it's a good thing to implement like right now and there's a there's an argument to be made about the fact that the app store has made the process of buying apps so simple because you don't have to care about expiration of trials or licenses or that kind of stuff. You just go to the app store, you download, you pay, you don't pay. I don't know. I won't judge you. But anyway, you just <laughs> click a button and you get the app, right? And it's done. It's a transaction. It's It's done. You don't have to care anymore. Whereas with trials, you would add a management layer. To, to the user experience. And mm-hmm. I don't believe that Apple wants that because they actually make money off people, even if maybe it's not from a conceptual standpoint optimal, but they make money off people just downloading apps, you know, even if they regret the purchase. And um, so I would say that maybe there could be another argument to be made about how developers of expensive apps like I'm thinking about the Omni Group, right? They mm-hmm. make they make apps that cost a decent amount of money. Maybe there could be something like Gatekeeper on iOS that lets you download a trial from a developer's website, so it's separated from the App Store experience. You get to try an app, and then you have to buy it from the App Store if you really want to use it. That could be an idea. Yeah, but but again, it even that it's yeah, that the level of complexity. Not, yeah. Yeah, you know. and the developer would maybe not get the money. Yeah, there, there's a, there's a. I don't think we'll ever find. We don't have first. We don't have the, you know, the stats and the numbers to, to, to understand whether Apple would benefit from adding trials. So for the, for a lack of numbers, 
I would tend to say that in the end, Apple doesn't want to. I I agree. And I think with all of this, when the App Store has been around since 2008, and structurally it hasn't changed. Um, They've had features and apps can do more. I mean, in-app purchase is the one big thing that has been added. And... You know, and push notifications, which is not really—it's not really App Store stuff. That's technical stuff. But in-app purchase is the big thing that's changed since 2008. And I don't think anything that we've talked about today, like I, I don't—I would not be surprised if none of this happens. I mean, I know that like Jason Snell is blasting our show in Cupertino, but I think if Apple wanted to address some of this stuff, they would address it, and they would have done at least something by now especially in the world of trials you know the way the app store looks and the way search works like that's fine like they could do that really whenever but i think that core functionality of like you pay for an app or you download it for free and you have it on your phone and you know apple doesn't want a user to have the experience of oh i have this trial for this app and i open this app and i really need to use it and well i can't because it's time to buy it and i haven't made up my mind yet like it's a really bad user experience. And Apple, the heart of it all, Apple wants iOS to be simple and they want it to be a good user experience. And anything, even if it's a good idea, if it goes against those things, I think Apple will push it aside. Yeah. But you know that now, by the first law of the prompt, tomorrow Apple is going to completely change search, curation, and yeah. trials. <laughs> yeah. I know. No, I agree. It's 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 not going to happen. Definitely not this year. I I would I would say. I mean, I would love to. I just don't think that it's going to happen. I, I agree. iOS seven has, has so many problems. It doesn't seem like Apple is prioritizing the App Store. I mean, even iOS is getting its first update next month after yeah. six months. So I I'm really. That's a whole other topic, but I would not be surprised if like iOS seven sticks around for more than a year. Like maybe we see iOS seven point two or whatever at WWDC. Like that would be uh, unless strange. they just want to di- unless they want to distance themselves from like the iOS seven name. Like I don't know. Like hmm. it seems to be moving really slowly this time around. Hmm. We'll see. That's the, let's save this for a topic. Yeah. Okay. I think we'll. Uh, I think we'll wrap up then. So are we are we sure that Mike is going to come back? So he's texting us as he does when we record without him, and he sent a picture of a concert the the show he is at, and there's a concert going on. So he seems to be alive at least. Which he's is probably going to to end up buying something. Oh, for sure. There's no doubt about it. Oh, he, he's at the. Oh, I know where he is. <laughs> I know where he is. Yeah. yeah he, no, he said on the show, but I don't remember. He's at the Brit Awards. That's right. We'll put a link in the show notes to that. Um, if you want to find us on the internet, that can be done. I've heard. You can find Federico at maxstories.net. You can find him on Twitter. At or you can find me at my house. You yes, you can find Federico at his apartment in the hot tub. Yeah, uh, and he tweets from the hot tub at Vitici V I T I C C I. You can find uh, our dearly departed I Mike on Twitter at I M Y K 
KE, and lots of other shows at 5x5. And you can find me at 512pixels.net and ISMH on Twitter. You can find the show on Twitter and app.net as well, underscore the prompt. You can send us an email um, right from the show page at 5x5.tv slash prompt slash 36. You can find all the show notes there as well. Lots of links we've talked about. We'll be rounding up and putting there as always. Federico, I guess it's uh, I guess it's time to say goodbye. Isn't that a, a placebo <laughs> song? It's time to say goodbye. No, maybe not. I don't know. I could be wrong. Do you know the song? No. I, I, anyway, let's say goodbye. Goodbye, Stephen. I, I love you very much. I love you too. Bye. Bye. Arrivederci. Oh, it's a song to say goodbye, not a, ti- a time to say goodbye. Damn it. Oh...